Shabbat Shalom, everyone. You may be seated. <clears throat> a few short weeks ago, my daughter and I went on a magical trip to Washington, D.C. for the presidential inauguration. We were very fortunate that uh, a congressman gave us excellent seats. We were very close. My daughter is a little bit of a political junkie the way I am, or she's a budding political junkie. And we went, and it was just amazing. I can go into the details at another time of all the amazing things that happened, but for those who heard the story already, I think they can testify it was quite magical. To me, there were two moments, three in particular, that got me very verklempt. One was watching Sonia Sotomayor swear in Vice President Biden, which was kind of the inverse of watching the President of the United States get sworn in. A minority swearing in someone who has long-standing ties to the country and also turned around with the President. And I realized as I looked around in this great mall of people over a million wide, how beautiful, diverse, meaningful our country is. The second thing that made me verklempt were the two songs, there were three songs sung, one by James Taylor, one by Kelly Clarkson, and the Star Spangled Banner by Beyonce really got me emotional. And I started to cry, and I was a little embarrassed, and I looked around, and I realized there were so many other people crying as well. It was the culmination of this amazing, magical, fantastic day of this watershed moment in our country, a watershed moment in the relationship between me and my daughter, and just the perfect, and I say the word intentionally, perfect culmination of a flawless rendition of the Star Spangled Banner by Beyonce. And then we went on with our magical day. And if I told you that Evie and I were floating on a cloud for about a week and a half afterwards, I think that would be a gross understatement of our emotions. So you can only imagine how we must have felt where for the last 10 days, the talk of the country has not been focused on the words and the visions and the dreams out of the president's mouth, or of the incredible inspiration and song of My Country Tis of Thee by Kelly Clarkson, or the invocation that was offered by Merle Evers on Martin Luther King Memorial Day, a national holiday. But the talk of our country has been about the lip-syncing of Beyonce, the imperfection of her performance. And in some ways, in a very honest and real way, it took this fantastic experience and it chipped away many of the smooth and clean edges of what was so fantastic and magical for us. It told us a little bit that what you thought was perfect was really a little broken. In the newspaper for the last three days, there has been all types of hype and all types of energy and all types of pressure focused on Alicia Keys. Now, Alicia Keys has the great honor of performing the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, tomorrow in New Orleans for the Super Bowl. That means you have hit it in the career of music. When you're asked to sing the Star Spangled Banner at the inauguration or at the Super Bowl, you have made it to the big times. 
But the pressure that Alicia Keys now finds herself under about getting it just right is unprecedented. Because Beyonce was lip syncing, they say. And because last year, for those of you who remember, Christina Aguilera, she missed an entire verse. And a few years before that, if I can jog your memory, Michael Bolton had to look at the words printed on his hand because he didn't know all of the four verses that were originally written in 1812 by Francis Scott Key of a four-stanza poem that we now use the first stanza as our national anthem. So I ask you this question. Christina Aguilera last year at the Super Bowl. Alicia Keys tomorrow. Beyonce at the inauguration. Does it really matter if they nail it? Does it really matter that the anthem has to be just right and just perfect, without blemish, without being off-key, every word uttered properly, with their eyes closed to show that it's memorized? Is that what we're going to term and deem right in our society, that is solely based on absolute perfection. And perfection has to mean no aiding, no devices, no cheating of the words, no hitting the wrong key, no messing up, and no lip syncing. We have become a society that is fixated on perfection. That is all we think about. And I will tell you, I suffer from the problem probably more than most of you in the room. But we all suffer from it. We all suffer from what looks perfect. The perfect house. The perfect spouse. The perfect kids. The perfect restaurant with the perfect meal. The perfect decor. The perfect decorator. The perfect sports game. The perfect seats. Everything has to be perfect in our lives. And when it's not we feel that it is broken. And we wrestle and we struggle with that level of broken in a way that only shows us, in sticking with the metaphor of the Super Bowl, the Heisman move that we have proverbially mastered of keeping the broken away from us, of keeping it at a stiff arm's distance and making it a part of our lives. And why? Because we're so afraid of being broken? Because we're so afraid that pieces don't work. Because what Francis Scott Key wrote about and the purpose of our national anthem doesn't apply. We're not allowed to be moved. I'm not allowed to cry if I know that Beyonce was only lip-syncing a version that she actually sung earlier. It lessens it. It's less meaningful. Because Christina Aguilera, performing before millions and millions of people, missed a verse and we're going to wag a finger in her face for God knows how long because she missed a verse? No, 200 people here today, maybe 250. How many of you could get up here and speak without messing up? How many of you could deliver a perfect Devar Torah without an um or a ha, without saying the wrong words? How many of you could get up and lead us in the service saying all the words in Hebrew or reading from the Torah without making a mistake. And we judge ourselves not based on the energy or the efforts or the drive or where their hearts are pointed. We judge ourselves based on how many mistakes we've made or how perfect the sermon or the Devar Torah sounded. We have run in life away 
from what is broken. Moses comes down from the mountain with the tablets in hand. And this doesn't happen for a few weeks, but it's worthy of noting because we received the Ten Commandments today. Parsha Kitisa, this is what's going to happen in two or three weeks. Who's got Kitisa? Your daughter has Parsha Kitisa. There you are, Leah. Her bat mitzvah, this is going to happen. On Parsha Kitisa, Moses is going to come down from the mountain. He's going to see all the people that are gathered around making a golden calf and worshiping it because they didn't have the patience anymore to wait for him. And he's going to be so enraged, so furious, he's going to take the tablets, he's going to slam them to the ground, and they're going to shatter in pieces. So think about this notion for a second. The only one who has the opportunity to know the Ten Commandments in the pure state, in their unbroken state, in their whole state, is Moses by himself. The minute that the people of Israel see the Ten Commandments, they are surrounded by the golden calf and they become broken and shattered. And it's not an accident. In my opinion, that happens because the Torah and God in particular is trying to tell us something. That laws and life and Judaism is not about perfection. And stop striving for it. Stop deeming the national anthem perfect based on whether it's lip-synced or not, or a word is sung correctly or not. Stop deeming a sports event or a meal or an outfit as perfect because it doesn't matter at its core and its value. And that's why the tablets are broken, to tell us that we live in a broken world. There are shattered pieces around us and stop looking for what is pristine and what is unbroken. And it's not limited to the Ten Commandments. It's all around us. The next major holiday we will celebrate is Passover. We eat a broken bread. One of the first acts we do is yachatz. We break a matzah that is whole and show us that it's broken. We take a cup that's supposed to overflow and what is a feast and we pour out from it to show it's not a perfect meal. It's not a perfect day. There's still a problem here. On Sukkot, we're supposed to sleep and eat and dwell in a flimsy sukkah, in a flimsy temporary dwelling. It cannot be sturdy. It can't be made of bricks. It can't be hammered into the ground to show its impermanence. It is de facto imperfect. On Rosh Hashanah, we blast the shofar and the rabbis call the shofar a broken sound. It's called shvarim, from the word lishbor. It's broken. The sounds are broken to tell us that we are broken. And it's not limited to the calendar. When I stand at this spot, many times on Saturday nights and Sundays throughout the year, and couples get married, the most common and recognized custom we have is shvirat hakos, the breaking of the glass. I tell every couple about to get married in my office, whether they're 22 or whether they're 82, I tell them that the reason we break the glass is because the moment of perfection and elation ends when the foot hits the ground. Because I remember my wedding day and it was a magical day. And you probably remember your wedding days and they were magical days and everything was perfect. The cake was perfect. The band was perfect. 
The photographer was perfect. In my case, as I'm sure it was with you, my partner was perfect. Everything was perfect. And what breaking the glass reminds us is, it doesn't stay perfect for very long. It doesn't stay perfect for very long. And you break that glass and it becomes shattered. And our job is not to walk around with shattered pieces and say, oh, I am broken. Oh, my life is shattered. Our job is to take the broken pieces and turn it into a mosaic that becomes the pattern of our lives. Not a perfect mosaic, not a mosaic with clean edges, but a mosaic that has those broken pieces to make the design that matters to us. Now, we all read ahead in the Torah, and we know that Moses gets a second set of tablets. He gets a do-over, and it's a beautiful lesson and value to us. But what happens to the first set that's broken? The first set that's broken are gathered, and they're put in the Mishkan. They're put in the core of the tabernacle, and they never leave the tabernacle. Not once. Why? For the very simple reason that I shared with all of you today. To remind all of us that we are broken. To remind us that our Torah is broken too. That God announces and declares God's imperfections. That each and every one of us in life struggle with what is the broken piece or pieces. Each and every one. And if we ever think that the broken pieces can be discarded and we start all over with something new without remembering where the broken pieces are, then they share no meaning. They have no purpose for us whatsoever. I will close with reference to a movie I saw a few weeks ago, the end of December, that had a profound impact on me. Sometimes you guys go see a movie and you're entertained. I often go and I write it off as an expense because I'm trying to get sermon ideas. And this one fulfilled my desire. It's called Silver Linings Playbook. And without giving away the movie, without sharing all of its details, it reminds us at our core of a lesson that is valuable for all of us to achieve. That at our core, when each and every one of us is striving for what we think is perfection, for what we think is whole, and we think that there is a recipe to bring us whole, whether it lives in a hospital, or whether it lives through medicine, or whether it lives through a particular person, that if we have those things in our life so that we're getting the medical care or we're taking the treatment, or this person is married to us or engaged with us or involved in us, that we are whole and perfect, that everything will be fine. And the movie explicitly tells us that we are broken, and we are broken for good. And the way that we can feel whole again is when we A, realize our brokenness, and B, find something else broken too to fill the patch, to fill the void. That's the lesson of the Ten Commandments. That's the lesson of this parsha. When we get those Ten Commandments, when we receive them today, it is magical. Most of you stood up in reverence to them. But just remember this. They don't stay whole. They don't stay perfect for very long. Let it be a reminder for the way that we appreciate our life too. Shabbat Shalom.